Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Do you want to set your child up for success? Is tutoring out of your budget, or perhaps you're someone like me who just wants to save money on private tutoring? Is this a big school year for your child? You know, maybe they're starting kindergarten or middle school. Maybe there's another milestone coming up. Or maybe your family moved. Oh my gosh, I moved so much when I was growing up. And the kids are starting a new school. Or maybe your child is ahead and just not getting challenged enough in class. Well, IXL Learning is here to help. IXL Learning is a fun online learning program for kids covering math, language, arts, science, and social studies. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or the personality. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. That's right. It is school approved. So make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And how to be fine listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at ixl.com/fine. Visit ixl.com/fine to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Again, that's ixl.com/fine. Hello and welcome to How to Be Fine. I'm Kristen Meinzer. And I'm Jolenta Greenberg. And today we're here with a little feedback episode. That's right. Every third week we share some of the stories you, our listeners, have shared with us about the topics we've most recently covered on the show. Because a lot of you write in and have a lot of cool stuff to say. Today's topics are hydration and Nexium. And oh my gosh, I am so excited for this, for Nexium. We are thrilled to announce that we have a very special guest joining us today, Sarah Edmondson, who escaped the cult. We'll get to her a little later in the show, but first, let's hear some of your thoughts on hydration. Yes, you guys are thirsty for us to hear your <laughs> thoughts. That was, I don't think I even used that right. I just, let's, anyway. I'm into it. I'm so into it, Jalenta. A lot of you wrote in <laughs> to say you appreciated our exploration on the subject and uh, all the messaging out there that says we need to drink more water. Nicole wrote in to say, thank you for the nuanced take on hydration. Several people in my circle are diagnosed with heart failure and at risk of fluid overload if they don't limit their intake of water and other beverages. So the constant advice to hydrate is frustrating for them, to say the least. It's been a struggle to get one elderly relative to even understand that he needs to drink less water, not more, because the messaging to drink more is so pervasive. Once again, it's a good idea for some people to go damp. Ah, love that shout out to our prior episode about drinking a little bit less alcohol. Going damp with water. <laughs> I like it. Krista says, my mom's doctor literally limits her liquid intake and she is at risk for having to take medication specifically because she constantly overhydrates. For her, drinking is an actual compulsion 
And I recognize that compulsion in a lot of people in the wellness industry. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And Anna wrote in to say, thanks for including diet culture in this conversation. Drink more water is the beginning of the unsaid, so you eat less. It's thrown around as the obvious way to be more healthy, despite no real evidence other than the goal of eating less and being smaller. Yeah. I mean, I I have to say, Jolenta, in my research on this, I read a lot of articles that I wish would have brought up this factor, the diet factor. A lot of them were about heart failure and other issues that have been brought up today. But I think the diet culture is a really big thing that should be discussed more when it comes to this hydration message. There's always that message of when you feel hungry, drink a bunch of water first to make sure you're not just dehydrated. It's like, or to just fill you up and then like trick yourself into thinking you're not hungry when you probably might be. Yeah. Who knows? We don't know. You don't know (laughs) until you eat and see. Yeah. Rebecca says, I just wanted to second all the health info you had on the hydration episode. It's true. One time, my sister-in-law had the flu for several days, and at one point, she had basically chugged a two-liter bottle of water, probably because she was thirsty, not because of any health advice, but that was the day that I learned there was such a thing as drinking too much water. She had a seizure and went into a coma. Thank goodness she and my brother were at her parents' house that day, and her mom is a nurse, so her mom knew exactly what was wrong and was able to whisk her to the hospital in time. It was extremely scary for all of us, especially my brother, of course, but she survived and thrived afterward. Oh, wow. That's so scary. Lucky her mom is a nurse. Yeah, and we're so glad she's doing well and that maybe you all learned a little bit about the dangers of overhydrating. Yeah. Joanna wrote in to say, too much water, hyponatremia, is a really big concern during marathons, especially in warm weather. You lose so much water and salts during the race that if you only hydrate with water, you can mess up your blood's electrolyte concentration. Oh, yeah. Because we're not just made out of water, Jolenta. We're made out of other things, too. A large percentage of us water... That other percentage, definitely not water and sometimes needs to be replenished also. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. But Jolenta, and we love this because we like to hear all sorts of points of view. Yes. Not everyone was on board with what we covered in our hydration episode. Kayla wrote in to say, I was honestly shocked to see this as a topic and for once disagreed with Kristen and Jolenta. Consuming more water has been the biggest health improvement I've ever made. As a 90s kid, I vividly remember leaving my small BPA-ridden plastic water bottle in the bottom of my sports bag and instead chugging sugary sport drinks at soccer tournaments on hot summer days. I don't remember ever drinking water with meals and never saw people carrying around water bottles. I often struggled with frequent UTIs and headaches and infrequent bowel movements in my youth, and that all went away when I upped my water intake in college. The episode hasn't changed my opinion on the benefits of drinking more water. And from my perspective, most people I know don't drink enough water. Kayla, I am very glad you are more hydrated now. And that's definitely the case. Some people, especially us 90s kids, were raised on the idea that like juice full of a ton of sugar is what's good for you because it's fruits or, you know, soda, water, interchangeable. And a lot of us have carried those habits into our adult life. I was definitely dehydrated until I got diagnosed with lupus and was told, like, drink even more water than you thought because you specifically need 
need it. And for UTIs, like drinking water does definitely help with that. Also, just always pee after sex. Speaking of UTIs. Yes. Pee after intercourse or anything. If you had stuff up there, hands around there, pee. Thank you for adding that to the conversation, Jolenta. Yes. Rookie mistake for a lot of people. It's very useful to pee after sex. Yeah. Very useful. Learned that the hard way. <laughs> oh, sadly, I think a lot of us did. <laughs> All right. <laughs> We're going to take a quick pee break. I mean, break break. We're going to take a quick break. But remember, you can always share your stories with us at kristenandjolenta at gmail.com. Or you can leave your thoughts on our Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash kristenandjolenta. That's a totally private group where you can converse with other listeners of the show. Very private and very supportive. I just want to say it's one of the kindest yes. corners of the internet. Fact, nicest Facebook group I'm in. Hands down. <laughs> Coming up, Nexium survivor Sarah Edmondson joins us to share her story. Stay with us. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun. And that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. Hey, everyone. We are back. And now, Jolenta, you have an interview to share with us. Unfortunately, I was very sick on this day, so I could not be a part of the conversation but I am so excited to hear what you and our guest talked about. I am so excited. Yes, it was a great conversation. Our guest was the incredibly brave and just awesome Sarah Edmondson. She is a survivor of Nexium. I mentioned her in our Nexium episode. She's one of the first people to go to authorities saying like, hey, there's a problem. She also has a book out about her experience, Scarred. Check it out if you want to hear like in-depth stories about Nexium. We had a really great conversation. She was so open, so honest, so cool. So let's give it a listen. 
Okay, we are back with our super special guest, Sarah Edmondson. Sarah is an actor. She's host of the podcast, A Little Bit Culty, author of the book, Scarred, The True Story of How I Escaped Nexium, The Cult That Bound My Life. And she is a cult recovery advocate. Sarah, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. What a treat. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to talk to you. First and foremost, I do have to say... I was a little surprised when a while ago, while just uh, binging Stargate SG-1, <laughs> I, I heard a familiar voice. I was like doing some work. I had it on in the background. I heard a voice and I, my head shot up and I was like, who is that? And it was a little baby Sarah up on the screen. That was pre-cult. Yeah. It was like two or three years or maybe four years before I got into Nexium. Wow. So mm-hmm. Sarah's a very accomplished actor, you guys. Stargate, super big deal right there. <laughs> She's still an actor and still accomplished. First, I just want to get into some basics about you and your involvement with Nexium. How did you get involved in the first place? The long story short, I was an aspiring actress. I met a filmmaker at a film festival, Mark Vicente, who's in The Vow, uh, if you've seen right. the HBO docuseries. And I met him, and he we, and I, we t- totally connected, and he basically said, if you like my film, what the bleep, then you might like this program. he just taken it. I didn't Google it. I just jumped in. Tons of red flags. Didn't know what I was looking at. Missed all of them. Did a five-day training a couple weeks later. Thought it was incredible. Had my mind blown. Wanted all my friends and family to do it. Missed much more red flags. Decided to open the first center in Canada. Was there for 12 years. Lots of red flags along the way. Thought I was going to a carnival. And um, (laughs) and then cut to 12 years later. You know, Many times over the years, I was like fluctuated between this is my life, I'll be doing this for the rest of my life, this is my community, to I want to do other things. I want to go back over to to my acting or my voiceover career and things like that. And I I also had a child three years before I got out. And as I was sort of pulling back, I got invited to join a secret women's group called DOS, which was sold to me as empowerment. It was actually enslavement. Yeah, It was a way way for uh, Keith Raniere to brand women as if he owned them. So that was part of a secret ceremony. And it was the branding that woke me up. Not the moment Mm. itself, but later when I found out that the symbol on my body was his initials. And that's what triggered me to wake up, thank goodness, go to the authorities. They didn't do anything. Uh, I went to the New York Times. That sparked an investigation, an eventual arrest, and then 120 years in prison. So my journey has been from aspiring actress, student in Nexium, to whistleblower, now on my healing path and trying to clean up the mess I made because I was a big recruiter at Nexium and I this is part mm. of me part of my educating now is to clean up the mess. Wow. Yeah. Well thank you for being so open about your story. It's it's helping clean up messes everywhere. <laughs> I hope so. I, I assure you. <laughs> yeah. And so you were involved with Nexium 12 years, you said, mm-hmm. total? Almost to the day. Wow. Oh, my yeah, gosh. Yeah, it was wild. <laughs> and so you mentioned you opened a Toronto Center. What was your role in the organization? Well, it's actually in Vancouver. And my role, oh, yeah, Vancouver, my role changed. Sorry. It's okay, because there's there's different ranks. So I started off as a student, and then I worked really hard to get to coach. And then the next level, so there's like a martial arts, like with, the, with karate, like with belts, mm-hmm. except it's with sashes. Right. I mean, a huge red flag, but it's okay. I At the time, I was inspired by it because I like to have measurable steps 
versus act. Totally. You know, acting was very immeasurable and amorphous. Uh, so once I was a proctor, I was at the level where I could open the center, but I had to do that with the next level up, which was Mark Vicente. He was a senior proctor. Mm-hmm. And we were business owners. We owned the company 50-50, and we ran classes in Vancouver, and it was great. I had a community of like-minded humanitarians working on their goals and supporting each other. Right. What I've understood later is that because it was my center and I was just doing the good part of it, you know, the bad part of it was <laughs> happening in New York. Essentially, though, I was a pipeline right. to bring people to the mothership. And you talk about, you know, like-minded people doing good together. Is that what initially drew you to Nexium? The the messaging around, you know, making the world a better place? 100%. And I really, like, my mom's a therapist, my dad's a counselor. I've always loved helping people and, you know, being an unofficial coach. Now I got to be an official coach and learn a bunch of tools, which were really just stolen from a number of different modalities. When I read your fabulous book, I was like, oh, <laughs> you know, like that principle is from there. And that, like, they, like a lot of these things, and I think you even say this, like, it's not new. It's just sort of like repackaged different ways of approaching the basic truths of living a healthy, honest life and being a good person, right? Like, right. It, in every school of thought kind of has similar tenets and it's just how do you package it and this particular packaging was very efficient right you know it was very like a lot of the things that you said like living in gratitude and being you know aware and grateful for where things come from and you know being honest about how you feel and communicating properly and you know all of those things were just packaged in a way that really worked and well I was able to integrate it in my life in a way that was like Okay, like, why would I go to therapy for two years when I can sort this out in an hour? Yeah, like, sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> and why would you not help other people do that as well? Yes. Like, of course. Like, it all lines up on paper. Yeah. Right. Recruiting was like that for me. I'd meet somebody like you who's, like, you know, doing big things and your ambition and you have a spark. And I'd be like, oh, my God, I want you on, on my team. And what are you going for in your life? And I'd try to show you how these tools would help you get whatever you were doing to the next level. And I was very passionate about that and I believed it to my core. Yeah, totally. That's probably why you were so good at selling. (laughs) I was. Yeah, I did. (laughs) In your book and in this interview earlier, Mm -hmm. you mentioned that things did seem strange, especially uh, like during your first intensive, Mm -hmm. like you noticed red flags. Was there any moment that helped put you at ease and sort of disregard your first impressions? Yeah, I think there was lots along the way. I mean, I I had a lot of awarenesses, what they called an integration or an aha. Like when I had a awareness about my life and why things weren't working or, you know, what what belief I'd created as a little girl that caused me to be the way I was then as a young adult, like those ahas were very endorphin inducing. I've since learned there's like, right. a you know, a high. And I think that I really spent the next 12 years kind of trying to chase the dragon. <laughs> Totally, like, well, totally. More, more of that, more. And, and there'd be intermittent throughout, like little pellets for a gerbil, keeping me, you know, yeah. engaged. Yeah, I mean, I, I honestly felt like I'd found the path for true clarity for every everything. Right. Yeah. And what were the red flags that you were noticing? I mean, right away when I first walked in, there were red flags of like, okay, we're going to call this guy Vanguard. You know, that's on day one. Like that's in the first yeah. class. There's a first class called Rules and Rituals, where they lay out like a bunch of the things that they they do or we used to do. Uh, we call Keith and Nancy Vanguard and Prefect. And every rule, everything that they they say was going to happen is there's a, a preempt of like, 
we're going to tell you what we do. It's going to be weird for you because right. these things are designed to bring up your issues. That's why we do it. If you have authority issues, of course you're not going to want to call this guy Vanguard. Okay, that could be true. And it, and then this is what I know now. Like we're calling him Vanguard because he's a narcissistic, sociopathic, sex addicted douchebag and needs a special title based on a video game from the eighties. Like we don't know that then, right? So any, right, totally. <laughs> so any of the things that we now know from the docu series, which are super obvious when you look at the stuff now, all of those things were explained away from the t- you know titles, the sashes, the hierarchy. The rules and rituals was there day one to root out people who would be bad apples, who would be too. I see. You right. know, like it's also like a screening process. It's a screening process, yeah. And almost every training, almost every training, there's at least one, maybe two people that would ask to leave on day one. Oh wow. Yeah, because they'd be like, yeah, no, I, I'm a business owner. I'm, I don't, I don't need to bow to somebody I've never met. <laughs> you know, and then everybody else, and a lot of those people like me, seekers, and are very open, and I want to be open. So, like, even though it's weird, you're like, you kind of go along with it. Like, they're asking right. you to take off your shoes, and they say, you know, if you went to someone's house and they ask you to take off your shoes, you take off your shoes, even if you don't do that at home, because it's their house. So, you're like, okay, I'll take off my shoes. Right. And next thing you know, you're getting branded with the leader's initials and the secret ceremony. It's, it's that frog in a boiling pot of water, right? I, I use that yeah. metaphor in my TED Talk. Right. I hear that on your show all the time. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You also, like you mentioned in the book that your mom did initially at least try to warn you of the sort of culty nature of Nexium. Why didn't this warning land at the time? Was it because you had already been sort of primed with those, you know, rules and regulations? Partly, yeah. I mean, they said, right, like in the five day, there's a class that actually teaches about like what to say when people say that you're in a cult in the five day. Wow. And that's like the beginning, right? That's the beginning. Yeah. Like in a, right. in a cult, there's bad things happening in a cult. And they would say like, right. if you're saying that someone's in a cult, it's actually not cool because you're not saying what's the bad thing. And I actually still agree with that. It's better to say what's the bad thing. Oh, guess what? Sex trafficking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, forced labor, blackmail. Those are the bad things. But none of those things were clear to us. So what's the bad thing? Okay, we're wearing sashes. Is that bad? It's weird. Maybe yeah. it's not bad. Like you're catching a bad vibe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And if this is a cult of happy, successful people, then I'm happy to be in this cult. That was sort of the joke and. So many documentaries, right. like, holy hell, it happens across the board. Everyone's, like, exactly. embrace it, like, okay, we're a cult, but who cares? Like, and you never hear a story of someone being approached by a loved one and them being like, oh, duh, of course it's a cult. Yeah. And and this is what we're trained. Like, our loved ones are not going to like our changes because we're becoming more independent and we're living life on our own right. terms and not following the scripture or whatever it is. <laughs> and now they're like, well, you must be controlled by somebody else. And then I'll be like, oh, yeah, look, they— they're accusing me of being in a cult it's because they don't they don't like it. They don't like me, right. you know, taking off on my own accord. So yeah, and, exactly. and also she was a therapist and therapy was was subtly and then overtly poo-pooed in the company. Right. So that, I didn't I didn't always happens, doesn't I know, it? I know. So like I loved her. I'd never stopped loving her, but I didn't respect her opinion on it. Yeah. And that happens with parents all the time. Yeah. So how are you going to know if it's like, you know, a more high stakes situation or not at the time? Yes. And also truthfully, like I was trying to prove her wrong. Just one other thought on that. Like, right. I'm in my early 20s. I'm sorry. I was mid, a mid to late 20s, but like I was kind of individuating again. Like I was in round two of individuation. And it's like, no, this is like, you do your thing. And this is my thing. And like, you don't know. Yeah. You don't know me. <laughs> like, it's a little bit we of don't defiance. Have the same beliefs. Yeah. yeah. 
which happens. Right. And I I actually had a question about this because like as we grow, as we change, our relationships do shift. And like mm-hmm. self-help books talk about this too. And it, it is a thing that happens. Mm-hmm. But it's also something we commonly hear when someone is isolating us from people who care about us. Do you have any tips for like telling the difference between someone being like, you changed. I used to be able to like be codependent with you or like you changed. I'm worried about the people you're hanging out with. I I think more the question for me would be like, how did you get to those changes? Mm. And is that something that you did on your own or is, are you part of a group and they're like facilitating it? You know what I mean? And then I guess the question is like, what's the downside? Cause it is true. Like when you grow and develop and you evolve from a codependency, it will be difficult for the, for people around you. Totally. And you know, they're going to push those buttons and not get the same result and then freak out a little bit. I think is sort of case by case, but ultimately would require just a lot of self-awareness about your own kind of like, what did you learn? Where did you get that from? Right. Who's benefiting? Like if you're, That's right, like if you're no longer co- yeah. Yeah, codependent, codependent with a parent or a spouse or something, but you're now putting all of your energy into like this other thing, that would be more the concern. Like who's, right. one, of the, one of the lines I said, and this is not mine and I wish I knew where I got it, but like, it's okay to put new tools into your life. Just don't make the tools your life. Oh, that's such a good way to put it. Yeah. Right? And, and also looking at where the changes are coming from. Are yeah. they being, you know, dictated to you? Is it something you worked hard on, like mm-hmm. with a therapist? Yeah. yeah. And even with a therapist, like as you've seen from Shrink Next Door, is it Shrink that's like extracting value from you and like moving into your fancy home in the Hamptons? Like who, yeah. who's, be- who's benefiting? Who's benefiting yeah. is another really good mm-hmm. question. I think that's in your book as well, where it's just got to try and remember if your, you know, life is changing who's benefiting. If people are saying things are going wrong, like check who's benefiting. Yes. So much of the language that was used in Nexium is the language that Chris and my co-host and I have seen so many times in self-help books. You know, writing a mission statement for yourself, pushing for accountability, challenging yourself to get out of your comfort zone. These are all things recommended in self-help books, but they're also things that, you know, high control groups will sort of push on you as well. How do you recommend we differentiate between advice that helps sort of like push you out of your box and advice that's meant to like sort of numb you to your boundaries being crossed? <laughs> that's such a good question. The other thing I would add there is is knowing your values, writing a list of your values. That's like in all the books mm. and was like day one of or day two of our oh, totally. of the five day, right? Um, all of those things. Oh, yeah. Oh, that is such a good question. It's so, that is like the most difficult thing because it is absolutely 100% true that when you get out of your comfort zone, it's uncomfortable, always. Right. And it's also really uncomfortable when your boundaries are being crossed and there's something that you don't want to do. And ultimately, in that moment, it's so, like when I put myself back to that moment of like somebody saying, you know, we're going to bow for Vanguard, whatever. And and I'm like, well, I'm pushing through this because I have authority issues. Ultimately, in that moment, I don't know if you can tell. I think what's actually more helpful is putting yourself in in that position in the first place. That's where you got to like nip it in the bud before that, which is Uh, like, why are you in that room? Who are the people teaching you? Why do they have the authority? Like, how does that person have the authority to to suggest something to question your boundaries? Like, if you want to go out of your comfort zone, 
there's much healthier, more regimented, and not, not that I've done any research into this particular organization, but I've heard of things like Tough Mudder or like doing a, a marathon. But you know what I mean? Like there's physical ways to push through your comfort zones. Most of the things that are that happen in these self-help groups, you know, I've heard of things like people being like, like you're attached to your superficiality or your beauty, so we're going to shave your head. Like, sure, that will definitely help you break through your comfort zone. But is that really like healthy for you? Is that a really good thing for you to do? It's tricky for me to say, like, don't even let yourself get there because you're going to get there. The question I would ask myself in the moment, is this healthy for me? Mm-hmm. Right. Like, is this is this healthy for me? And that takes like some space. And oftentimes, again, is why I don't want people to be in that moment to begin with. Because once you're in that room, you're often sleep deprived, food deprived, mm. you know, and you're not thinking clearly. And guess what? Everybody's doing it. Right. Everyone else is shaving their heads or like karate chopping the block or walking through coals or like cold calling their abuser. Yeah. You know, like. It's true. Yeah. I've walked through the coals. Yeah. Like I want, <laughs> yeah. I want to do that too. And then you're like, then you're the chicken shit who didn't do it. And then there's peer pressure involved and you don't want to lose your money. And you, like everyone, like there's no refund. Mm. So all of those pressures are way too much to even, can I sidebar for a second? Oh, totally. Okay. So I, w- I had a great chat with Stephen Hassan, who wrote some credible books that have been a big part of my healing and stuff like that. Cult expert. Cult right? expert. Yeah. And he he said to me once, like one of the things he does as a therapist with, with survivors is have them go back to the moments where they didn't say what they wanted to say because they didn't have the words or they didn't know what was going on. Like right. the last time I ever saw Keith, I was doing a video for some like promotional thing and I'd just been branded and I was like super out of Oof. it. And he came in to check on me and he's like, you make sure the most important thing is that your state is up, that you're elevated and inspiring because you want to make sure that you're giving off the illusion of hope. Right. And I'm like, I couldn't yeah. even, I couldn't even clock what he was saying until like a couple of weeks or maybe months later when I was like, he said illusion of hope. And then so Stephen Hassan says, go back to that moment. What do you say to him? And I go, fuck you, you limp dick motherfucker. You want me to be the, <laughs> yes. like, the illusion of fucking hope? So like in those moments, we don't say, you want me to shave my fucking head? Are you crazy? I'm here for personal development. Right. Like if I had knew what I knew now, I wouldn't have even signed up. They said, you, you know, you're going to miss it, the 24-8 hour discount. I go, that's cool. If this is really still good, it'll, I'll, get, I'll pay for it later. I don't mind. You know, like yeah. I don't have those words then. You don't ha- you don't have the words in the moment totally. to stand up for yourself. So I wish I had a better answer, but like if even if I said trust your gut, like your gut's all fucked up by that point. Right. And you're hungry. It's hard. So Yeah, I was gonna say <laughs> usually usually by the time a major boundary's being crossed, like little ones like that frog in the pot of boiling yeah. water, little yeah. ones have happened that have sort of chipped away your defenses, whether yes. like physically you know, boundaries being crossed, keeping you awake, keeping you hungry or mentally. So yeah, yeah, it's a tough call. And just to just to remember, like when you're on journeys of self-discovery, just like you said, try to check in with your own barometer Mm -hmm. of comfort. And I guess maybe think about, like you said earlier, who could be benefiting from this? Yes. Remember people, you can pull the plug at any time. You know, I see a lot of people right now doing a lot of journeys, ayahuasca journeys, microdosing, macrodosing, psilocybin, like all this stuff. And I'm Mm. totally fine with it. Like I dabble and I don't care about the the content of itself, but like a lot of those journeys require, like you're going to Peru or you're going to Costa Rica and you're like investing and doing all these things. The people involved may be great. They may be not great. And like, you may get there and then be like, you know what? I can pull the plug. Like giving yourself permission to be like, 
every step along the way, I'm going to check in. Is this right? Is this right? Is this right? Because there's yeah. there's great people leading stuff like that. And there's also total fucking shysters leading stuff right. like that, just like in any space. And this is just a new totally. space that's, you know, right for abuse. So, you know, just keep your right. keep your eyes out. And like sometimes the people, because they're so invested and they've traveled all this way or whatever, they're like, okay, well, I'm, I have to do it. And I'm saying that's you know, sunk cost theory. Yeah, yeah. it's high cost exactly. So you don't have to do it. You don't have to keep. You can just sit back and watch the other people barf into a bucket in a, in a dark tent. You know, you don't you don't, right. you don't have to yeah. go away, go along with it. That's totally totally <laughs> true. Do you think there is any quality or personality quirk that makes someone more susceptible to being pursued by a high control group? I'm kind of convinced it's it's almost more timing than personality. Because I feel like everyone has a phase in their life that like they're really seeking, they're finding themselves, they're finding their values. And it's just a matter of like who you accidentally come across. Yeah, that's called situational vulnerability, what you just described. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the only emotional vulnerability that I see from the, at least the people that I've met and talked to mm-hmm. and discussed things with is they're idealistic. Yeah. You know, they, there's really a like a, a vision of what, is possible in the world and they see hope for themselves in the future. And I think that's a really beautiful thing. Right. Because even in the space I'm in now, I'm still idealistic. I'm still me. Right. And you talk about that a lot in your book. Like (laughs) you believe everyone can make a difference. The Mm -hmm. world can change for good. Mm -hmm. And I'll, I'll stick on that. Good. Oh, I'm glad that you didn't lose that either. (laughs) No, otherwise why why would I do a Ted talk? I'd be like, fuck this. (laughs) Right. Exactly. If you could go back in time right before you were recruited and give young Sarah some advice, what would you tell her? <laughs> You're going to make me cry. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I didn't. no oh. in the best way. I'm just, I'm going to just be like, just go for it, girl. You got, you got some big shit to handle. <laughs> just go, go, just do it. <laughs> Dive in. I mean, obviously, like, there's times I would have liked to have made different decisions knowing what I know now, but I also like... I really love my life, you know? I love, yeah. it's been a crazy journey. It wasn't all bad in Nexium. Like, there was a lot of really wonderful things. Grit met some incredible mm-hmm. people, traveled to incredible places, flew on a private jet to Alaska to do a Jeunesse training. Like, that's cool. I had some I had some great experiences. And then being on the other side of it, I get to still help people. In fact, I get to help way more than I ever did in Nexium. So that was just a fucked up period that led me to where I am now. So yeah. Yeah. Just like buckle up, sister. Right. Yeah. It's going to be a ride. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> little Sarah, you had no idea. I had no idea. And I guess my last question is sort of how do you hold on to sort of the good things you've gained during that time without stripping it all away or resenting it? Because right. like, you met your spouse yeah. during that time. And I like, did. I'm sure, like you said, you grew and you learned things that mm-hmm. I'm sure like do stay with you. Yeah, I mean, one of the things is that I've, and we both to this day, every time we like encounter something that we still use a tool or like a process or whatever, we just have to be very clear where Keith stole it from. Oh, yeah. You know, originally, you know, like, oh, that's like a tenant of Buddhism or that's like straight up. Tony Robbins or whatever, which also maybe I don't want to use. Right, or like that's like one of Freud's basic theories. Yeah, and like or that's from attachment theory or whatever. Like that, that's really helpful. Eckhart totally said that, and he seems fine. So yeah, finding the actual source. Finding the actual source. yeah. Yeah, and then also like we have two beautiful kids. Right. I can't imagine my life without them, and I never would have had them if I hadn't have met Nippy in a cult. So... 
Yeah, that's <laughs> that, true. That, that keeps it pretty clear for me, like, that it's all okay. Some, like, very beautiful things came out of that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I lied. I have one more final question for you. That's fine. You're clearly a super busy mom, actor, podcaster, <laughs> like cult recovery advocate. <laughs> um, how do you how do you stay fine? How do you oh. take care of yourself? Any hot tips? I have like six hot tips. <laughs> I'll try oh to distill gosh. them. And this is where I was like, when I read your book, I was like, oh man, I feel like if I hadn't gotten in a cult, like this is what I would have done. Like, so I love this, everything that you've created. And I, and I love to give, oh, yeah, it's amazing. And I, and I love to give unsolicited advice, but you just solicit it. So I'll tell you. Um, oh, give it. Like a nonstop every day trying to check in of how's my balance? Like, am I giving too much, taking too much? I do a fair bit of personal self-care. I exercise daily, whether it's yoga or walking, ideally both, or Pilates. I do a lot of Epsom salts. I try to get into nature mm. as often as I can. I mean, outdoors every day, but like into the woods at least, like once a yeah. week is key for me. I like to ground. I like to lie on the earth and the grass and just like feel the earth or hug a tree. I know that's super cheesy, but like I do it. No, we like that here too. Don't <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I drink a lot of like green juice. I'm super annoyingly healthy to people around me. I'm like one of those people. I prioritize my sleep. That's really key for me. I'm always not mm. fine if I do not sleep. I spiral quickly without sleep. And yeah, a lot of positive self-talk, a lot of gratitude. I teach my kids that. I say change your attitude to gratitude. Aww. This book has been uh, really helpful for me. And Oh, that's so nice to hear. I, I hope that I can offer something helpful to your audience. But like, I feel like I've been trying to find balance my whole life. So just trying to keep it all in check and in yeah. harmony and like staying grounded so I can be a good mom. Right. It's good to just even remember the word balance. And like, even when you said that, I was like, oh, I never think about that. <laughs> like, where where can everyone find you, our listeners who want to hear more from you? I'm personally at Sarah Edmondson on Instagram. That's probably where I'm the most active. Our podcast, A Little Bit Culty, is anywhere you listen. And if anyone's listening and has like more questions about cult-related stuff, littlebitculty.com slash resources has a ton of recommendations for books and podcasts and movies um, and things that have been helpful for me in my journey and other like therapists and stuff because I'm not a therapist. I like to be an advocate and connect people, but I, I don't have like official training. So that's all that's all there. And also if anyone's getting out of something, domestic abuse or cultic abuse, hashtag I got out is a place where people could share their stories and get remove the shame from the stigma around being conned. And that's a, a really wonderful resource too. Awesome. Thank you so much for talking My to pleasure. us today. Absolutely. And yeah, definitely check out her podcast. It's great, you guys. A little bit culty. One of my faves. Awesome. Thank you. Oh, Jolenta, that was so illuminating. Just hearing the firsthand story, the firsthand experience of Sarah Edmondson, Thank you so much for having that conversation with her. Thank you again to Sarah Edmondson for joining the show. I got so much out of that, and I know our listeners did too. Yeah. We are going to take one more quick break, but when we come back, you all have some really good ideas for our advice seekers, so stick around. Mom 
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun. And that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. We are back. And Kristen, we now have some additional advice for some of our recent letter writers. Yes. Reiki wrote in to say, regarding the letter writers seeking advice on getting their spouse to be more mindful of their birthday and Mother's Day, I received some advice I found very helpful in couples counseling, especially in situations that come up again and again. You should talk about how the situation made you feel, not the person, the situation, and how you would like to feel instead. That way, you and your partner can come up with ways to make you feel better, and you don't just go over what happened again and again and again. I hope this is helpful. That's such a good point. This is something actually I've learned in therapy. Saying I statements, statements about how you feel and how you'd like to feel in the future, that lands way better than saying like, you did this, that was shitty, even if it's true. You know what I mean? (laughs) It's easier for the person receiving it to be like, oh, I want them to feel better. Not like, oh, they think I'm shitty. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody likes the finger being pointed at them. Nobody likes that. No. Even if we know we deserve the finger, we don't want the finger. Yeah. Tracy also had some advice for our listener feeling hurt over her husband and son's uh, lack of recognition on holidays. My husband was raised as a Jehovah's Witness. Although he's not currently a member or religious, he never grew up celebrating any birthdays or holidays. My family celebrated all the birthdays and holidays. After a tearful afternoon on my first real Mother's Day and a frustrating Christmas, I looked inward and figured out what I wanted and needed. During a peaceful evening, well in advance of the next holiday, I told him how I felt and what I needed to feel special and honored. I was honest with myself and him about what these days meant to me. It doesn't feel romantic to ask for what you want when you feel like someone should just know, but it has been worth it. Oh, good. I'm glad that has a happy ending, Tracy. Yeah. What you're doing there is a little bit of what Reiki said, talking about how you feel, how right, totally. this event affected you emotionally, but then also just being forthright about what you want. And I also like that you have a little bit of understanding. Your husband's background, holidays just weren't a part of it. Kind of like, Jolenta, what you were saying in the main episode about it wasn't really part of your life to send thank you cards, for example. Right, right. When it wasn't part of your life, sometimes it takes somebody to explain it to you. Yeah. And I like the acknowledgement of like, it doesn't feel fun or sexy or romantic to have to be like, hey, here's what I prefer. But in the end, it's worth it. Like, 
sometimes they're not going to pick up on shit, even though they should. And like, you're going to have to spell it out, even though it's emotional labor and it sucks in the end. It's worth it because you're not resentful every holiday. Yeah. And I think that applies to a lot of things in life. I think especially women, we have been socialized, a lot of us, to not be forthright about what feels good in a sexual situation, for example. Like, oh, I'll give hints and and they'll figure it out. I don't want to, you know, dominate this conversation or be bossy in bed. I don't want to be a bossy bottom. Or accidentally insult them. <laughs> yeah, any of that. And so it might not feel romantic to say, actually, this feels really good to me. When you do this, this feels great. I love this. And I think that applies to lots of things in life, including yeah. gift giving, including how you navigate your household chores. It might not feel comfortable to say it, but you know what? Six months from now, when everything's going the way you want it to, you'll be really glad you had that conversation. Yeah. That one eight-minute conversation will reap rewards months and years down the road. And Anna has a different take on how to manage gift-giving expectations. She says, I got mad at my husband exactly one time about my birthday. From that birthday on, I realized it's up to me to make it a great day. So now I book a massage, set up lunch with friends, do things that I love, and I'm happy every year. My husband and kids buy me a gift for my wish list, so there's no guessing, and they take me out to dinner. Don't expect people to change if you also refuse to change. We had different expectations, so I got mine met. Kristen, this reminds me of what you were saying in the episode about, like, have a backup plan to, like, make it great for yourself no matter what. Again, it sucks that we have not taught our men to take on emotional labor and, like, keep track of the shit that we're taught to value as a society. And, like, overall, it's not fair that a lot of women have to do this. But... I also appreciate what Anna says, which is like, people aren't really going to change that much. And and like, you probably aren't either. So let's like make this work, regardless yeah. of how we're socializing men to drop the ball. Yeah. And in the end, Anna, it sounds like you get a little bit of everything, something from column A and from column B. You get the day that you want with your friends, with that massage, and then you get the evening with your husband and kids where they buy you a gift that you know you want because it's on the wish list already. Right. That sounds great to me. Love a wish list. Me too. Okay. We also got some additional advice for our listener who was struggling to maintain productivity while self-employed. Aloysius says, I went freelance two years ago and often struggled with maintaining a good work ethic when I set my own hours and picked and chose which projects to take on until I discovered weak notes and made it my own self-accountability partner. Lots of central and local government workers in the UK write blog posts every Friday talking about everything they've achieved in their job during the week. It's called weak notes, and they post them to a central site where others can read and comment to them. I've customized the practice to help me stay productive on work days. I write my week notes entry for the day as my first task on my to-do list, as if I've already completed everything. And I find it so annoying to have to go back and change it that I usually do actually finish everything I've listed as complete. Oh my gosh. I love this idea, Aloysius. I've never heard of this before, but it's kind of like yeah. first thing in the morning, typing out your accomplishment list. Look at what I accomplished today, Tuesday. But it's actually Tuesday morning. And at the end of the day on Tuesday, on Tuesday night, you hope that you did everything that you 
already said that you did, right? Yeah. And That's usually <laughs> you feel so accountable to yourself and so annoyed with the idea of having not completed what you said you did, you do it. That's such a great way to like trick yourself into doing it slash at least for me it would be almost like a self-guilt trip of like girl you said you didn't don't lie <laughs> are you lying to yourself are you don't be are a you? fucking liar in this list <laughs> that is such a great idea Aloysius and I really also like that all these people in the UK are a part of what sounds like an accomplishment community together an yeah accountability that's so community. nice that's great Thank you, Aloysius, and thank you to everybody who reached out to us this week. We always love hearing from you. And again, thank you, thank you, thank you to Sarah Edmondson for joining us. We so appreciate her being on the show and sharing her story. And that's it for this episode of How to Be Fine. Huge thank you to our executive producer, Nora Ritchie, our producer, Chantel Holder, and our composer and engineer, Casey Holford. Reminder, you can always weigh in on the conversation and see what we're up to on Instagram at HowToBeFinePod. Also, you can go to Twitter and use that same handle to find links to our latest episodes and other fun things we're talking about. And also, if you haven't already, Please rate and review our show in your pod player, wherever you're listening. You can just look down right at your phone right now. Hit five stars. Maybe write a little ditty about why you enjoy the show. It helps other people find the show. Another way to help other people find the show is to just tell them about it. Tell a friend. Until next time, I'm Kristen Meinzer. And I'm Jalenta Greenberg. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. We'll see you next week. Until then, stay fine. Stitcher. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun, and that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com.